Hey there, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Zeke Said So Show. This is the one only show where we talk about all things movie news, video games, comic books, television, and all that sorts of good stuff. And we're back. We're back with another episode. I know. It's been a very long time. It's been a long time since we did an episode of this show. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, since we did skip a week, we got a lot of Q&A questions to catch up on. Uh, we got one, two, three, four movies to review this week. And we have four movie news topics this week, too. So, yeah, this is going to be a very long show. So if I were you, I would pause this podcast right now. Go grab some popcorn. Go grab a soda. Um, you know, in the immortal words of John the Flickpick Flickinger, um, you know, three ice cubes, no more, no less. Um, but I break that rule all the time. I, I have way more than uh, three ice cubes because I love ice in my sodas. What can I say? Um, I don't care if it tastes watered down later. I'm, I like the taste of ice, of ice cold soda. Practically frozen soda in my personal preference. Um, but no, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. It's going to be a very long social. So if I were you, I'd grab all that stuff immediately. But before we get into any of this stuff, I did want to um, talk to you guys about some about something that I have been wanting to share for a little bit um, in regards to uh, the my upcoming short film, The Passion for Film. Um, this is a project I've, I've shared a lot about it in like videos and stuff like that, but I really think I want to share with you guys just a little bit more about what the film's about and tell you guys a little bit more about why, um, about why I want to make it. So, cause somebody on, on, on Instagram had asked me to talk about it more. And I guess some people out there who watch my videos uh, like the fact when I talk about my my dreams of filmmaking. So um, one of the things I'm planning on doing is uh, starting a um, a new segment where all I talk about is my future filmmaking plans. Um, uh, Chris Stuckman has a very similar segment on that called The Filmmaking Journey. Uh, I will definitely not steal that title, steal that name. Um, but... Uh, but right now, I want to share with you guys um, the what the passion for film is. So the passion for film, it is a short film that I have been working uh, very hard on for about three years now. Um, I have obviously written other scripts in between working on this. But the passion for film was a script that I wrote back in 2017 um, after watching... Uh, uh, the movie Baby Driver, Edgar Wright's amazing film, Baby Driver. And I wrote the first draft in about a week. In about one whole week, I wrote the first draft of the script. Um, and uh, it's based on a idea for a short story that I came up with uh, back in, like, middle school. Um, and basically what the original idea was is about to... Uh, high school students who want to make their first film and then something happens and then yada yada um overall over time the story changed the characters changed um it overall just grew and became the movie that it is now now obviously i can't t i don't want to tell you guys too much about the film 
because um, just to keep it a secret from you guys, I I I do I am gonna share this film on YouTube in December of 2021. We will give you guys the official release date um, in the next channel update video, which will be uh, sometime around sometime around Fourth of July weekend. Uh, it will it will go up sometime around then. Um, uh, I'm actually going to be filming it probably, hopefully the goal is this weekend, but I don't know. I got a lot of stuff to do this weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this is just a movie that I am so, so excited about. Um, we've got everything lined up for it. Um, we got a, we got ourselves a cast um, a small, a small cast, a small crew, basically, and, um, yeah, we will hopefully, uh, get the opportunity to, uh, uh, to make something really fun, uh, for you guys, um, because this is something that I've always wanted to do, um, I love talking about movies on the podcast and on my YouTube channel, but it's never been my number one goal. Uh, my number one goal was to always make films, and that's and that's where what I want to do for the rest of my life, basically. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share some more information on the passion for film with you guys. Uh, just tell you a little bit about what what it, what's going on, and um, and I'm hoping um, one day. Uh, maybe after we're done shooting, maybe as we're getting very deep into, maybe once we start getting very deep into the editing process, maybe maybe after we get our first cut assembled, hopefully, I would like to, again, this is just a big if, I would like to um, get a, a little, maybe like 30 second clip released out to you guys. Um but again, that will depend on how long it takes for us to edit the film and and to get it done. Because um, we are that's that is going to be our number one focus after we finish shooting it. Now it's going just going to be about oh now we got to edit the movie. Now there's this magical process called editing. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I have a really good editor on board. Uh, you guys know him very well. It's uh, Robert the Ghostwriter Martinez, uh, who's who edits all of the um, all of the stuff. On the YouTube channel, including uh, all the channel, he in fact edited the chan the most recent channel update video, um, and he's going to be editing a lot of stuff for Zixetso, for the Zixetso YouTube channel, but also for my short films. Um, and uh, he also is going to probably have a hand in some story too. So, for for upcoming shorts that I do plan on making in the future. So, now that we got all that out of the way. Let's go ahead and let's talk about some movies, man. Let's let's talk about some movie news, video games, complex television, and all that sorts of good stuff. So let's get to it. Let's not waste any time, and let's jump right into it. And the first uh, thing we're going to talk about is this. Knives Out 2 has officially added a new cast member, and this cast member is Jessica Henwick, who, um, now, you might be wondering, who is this person, you may ask? You know, who is Jessica Henwick? Henwick. Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to find out that same thing. So, it's <laughs> um, but in all honesty, um, the name does sound familiar, though. The name does sound 
familiar. So let me go ahead and bring this up here. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. All right. I got it. Let's see here. Um, okay, so she is going to be in Matrix 4, so there's that. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. She was Colleen from uh, Iron Fist. She, she played um, Colleen uh, in, the, in the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, apparently she was also in The Force Awakens, too, but I don't remember seeing her in that. Um, yeah, so, okay, so now, now I know why she looks familiar. It's because she was in, uh, in the Marvel Netflix shows, and I really liked her in those. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I like the casting for this. I, I, honestly, the casting for this movie in general has just been great. Let me just, I'm gonna read to you guys this, this, this cast real quick. Obviously, Daniel Craig returning as Benoit Blanc, uh, Jessica Henwick, Catherine, Catherine Hahn, Dave Bautista, Edward Norton. Uh, sounds like we're going to get a newbie in Madeline Klein, uh, Kate Hudson, uh, Leslie, Odom uh, Leslie Odom Jr. I believe that's, yep, Leslie Odom Jr. Um, and, of course, uh, J uh, Janelle Monet is also going to be uh, in the film as well. So, honestly, what a really great cast. I mean, that that's what that was one of the great parts about the first movie was just the um, the the top tier cast that they assembled for that first movie. Um, in fact, I still just I was watching Knives Out uh, last weekend, and one of my favorite lines from that movie is actually it's in the scene where the family's having their big argument and Chris um Evans is telling everybody to eat shit you know he goes as a matter of fact eat shit eat shit eat shit definitely eat shit eat shit you all eat shit um Michael Shannon in that scene has a couple lines that uh Ryan Johnson pointed out in an interview and I also found them pretty funny I I found them pretty funny around my second viewing because I didn't hear them the first time I saw the movie. It was around the second time I saw it. But Michael Shannon basically yells out, I'm not eating one iota of shit. And then he goes, um, uh, maybe Harlan left you a cold glass milk for you in his will, asshole. <laughs> um, he just had so many great... That was, that was one of my favorite moments from the movie. But also... Um, yeah, Knives Out was one of my is. If I'm looking back at 2019, Knives Out is probably my favorite movie from that year. I know Jojo Rabbit. You go back and listen to the episode where I did my top ten of 2019. Jojo Rabbit was my number one, but I don't know. I just, you know, I own Knives Out, and I don't own Jojo Rabbit on Blu-ray. It's a shame. I really want to get. I do. Ha I do want to get that movie on Blu-ray. Um, but I don't own it on Blu-ray. But honestly, I, I just think Knives Out is just a little bit more rewatchable for me. It's just more entertaining, in my opinion. I love Jojo Rabbit. It's incredible, incredible movie. 
and probably my favorite movie from Taika Waititi. Um, but Knives Out just was something else, man. Because I love Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide it. I love the guy. I just do. I, I love him as a human being, and I love him as a filmmaker. I know a lot of people have their issues with The Last Jedi, but honestly, I love what he did with The Last Jedi. Minus the cancel bites of the cancel bites of I'll admit was was pretty dumb and stupid, and post mutiny was pretty dumb and stupid. But other than that, what he did with Luke, what he did with Ray, what he did with um, Snoke and in killing Snoke, I thought was perfect. I thought it was absolutely beautiful and the perfect continuation of where of how Force Awakens set up the story. Um, but some people don't agree, and that's fine. I'm not here to argue with you about uh about your opinion on the last jedi because quite frankly i just don't really give a crap um but it's not just the last jedi though just again taking a look at ryan johnson's filmography the dude has made some really great stuff um the dude put out some really great movies i mean obviously knives out and then obviously he you know directed star wars the last jedi but let's let's truly take a look at this because it's such an impressive resume. So um, you obviously have Knives Out and Star Wars: Lost Jedi. He directed three episodes of Breaking Bad, including the best episode of, uh, in my opinion, Ozymandias. Um, he directed Looper, which is fantastic. The Brothers Bloom, which I think is great. It's a wonderful movie. Um, he directed Br- uh, and obviously Brick. Brick is another one that, you know, I remember watching that movie for the first time. I think it might have been in, like, 20... Oh, wow. Oh, Brick is on Tubi. I have Tubi. I'm, I'll, maybe I'll watch that someday. Anyway, um, I think I remember watching Brick for the first time when I had just, I had just graduated high school actually and i the because the only other movie i had seen of ryan johnson's before star wars was looper that was the only other movie i've seen of his and i watched that one when i was like 16 um and it was awesome it was great i love that movie love that movie even still to this day um but i remember watching brick after high school because I wanted to study more of his work. And gosh, I think, I mean, obviously Knives Out's my favorite movie he's done. But man, Brick comes in such a close second. I've seen that movie so many times. That's another movie that I really want to get on Blu-ray. But its I don't think they've done a blue, an official Blu-ray release in the uh, here in the States. But um, but yeah, no, I, I can't wait. Like, this... This Knives Out sequel already had my attention from the moment they said that from the moment they announced that Knives Out 2 was happening I immediately got excited you know and from the and hell even before that like before that Ryan Johnson did an interview a few interviews where at the end of the movie, he almost put a tagline that said, Benoit Blanc will return in the next mystery. And he said, yeah, he's got ideas for what he wants to do for the next one. And I am and I remember saying, man, that's the guy, that's the kind of filmmaker I respect, you know. Um, 
So yeah, I just I oh gosh, I Ryan Johnson. If you're listening to this, you're probably not listening to this, but if you are listening to this, please, please, please come on the Zeke Stetzel show. I would love to just sit down for an hour and talk to this guy. I really would. Uh, I really, really, really would. Um, him and Chris Stuckman. I would really love to get him and Chris Stuckman on board sometime. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the Suicide Squad. Yes, we got some Suicide Squad news to talk about. Um, so... Here we go. Uh, first thing we got up, uh, we're going to talk about the trailer, but I want to talk about these two things before we talk about the trailer. Uh, number one is that the runtime has been confirmed as two hours and 12 minutes. Um, it will be a two hour and 12 minute movie. Uh, the film is rated R, of course. Um, and that James Gunn has confirmed that the film will have a post credits scene. Now, a lot of people are speculating what this could be. I have my theories, but I don't know if I should share them because I I don't like doing that. I honestly, I just have stopped caring about coming up with theories. Um, but anyway, let's go ahead and re- let's let's talk about this trailer. This trailer dropped bit pretty much unexpectedly, you know, kind of just out of nowhere in my eyes because I just I didn't even know that they were gonna do, I didn't know they were gonna pull off. Uh, you know, just dropping a trailer. Um, I, I had thought that they had just were gonna n- not put up uh, another trailer uh, for the Suicide Squad, but they did, um, and it's 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 exciting. So let's go ahead and let's watch this. Uh, let's go and watch this together. Um, if you guys want to sync it up with me, I'm about to press play in three, oh, uh, three, two, one. Here we go. Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. You're joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Wallace and maybe you can help me out. You're stretching in my door! Stand down. Miss Waller, I don't... Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in or out? I'm so glad they're bringing her back. I loved her from the last movie. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. <laughs> is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm going to go with Afghan hound. Oh my god, is it a werewolf? He's killed 27 children. Oh my gosh. I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. No. <laughs> Let's get it. Poke it out, man. Yeah, I just love the visual look of this movie. That's my dad. 
it to me. What do you got? Bird. Now know it. <laughs> Stay off the comp. <laughs> Bird. Um. Yeah. So I I. Like I said while we were watching the trailer, um, I know I didn't talk much during that trailer, but that's just because I'm just. I just was wanting to absorb the um, just the visual look of the movie because it just looks so beautiful in the way James Gunn shot this film. Apparently, it was filmed with IMAX cameras, um, and it just looks incredible. Like it doesn't look all glossy. Like most uh, films nowadays art looks so glossy and stuff like that um that that was actually you know i i go back i went back and i watched the first um a quiet place film and just the fact that they shot the way they shot that movie and the fact that they shot it on film is fantastic this legitimately now i know most likely they shot it with probably they probably shot it with digital cameras just because digital tends to make visual effects look good (laughs) Um, um, not always the case, not always the case, um, but tech with digital cameras, it tends to make VFX look cool. Um, and that could be possibly be the case, but I'm telling you what, the way they shot this movie, it just looks like they shot it on film. Just the visual look of the movie. It looks like it was shot on film. I mean, it looks like that to me. Uh, maybe there are some experts out there who will who will probably call BS on that and be like, oh, it wasn't shot on film. Um, and that doesn't look like film. Well, what the heck are you talking about? Um, there are some experts who will probably call me on on that. But I will say it looked like that to me. It looked really just beautiful and amazing. And I can't, I can't wait. Like, I just can't wait. James Gunn is another one of those filmmakers that I just love. Um, not even just his Guardians of the Galaxy work, but his work on films like uh, Slither, um, Super. Um, uh, I personally don't blame the Scooby-Doo films on him. Uh, even though, yes, he was the writer, I personally don't blame him for that. Um, I That was more blame. I blame that on the studio for that, for that atrocity. Um but that the, the, those two movies were most definitely not his fault at all. Um, but yeah, no, I um, I really like this, and I I, I um, cannot wait to see more uh, from it. And uh, yeah, okay, sorry guys, I yawned there for a second. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about the next one. And the next topic is this: uh, Rachel Zegler. Uh, has been cast to play Snow White in the live-action adaptation of the film. Um, of course, it was announced a couple years ago that Mark Webb was going to be bringing uh, a live-action version of Snow White. Apparently, it was supposed to be—it's supposed to be a sequel to the anime film, which definitely excites me. I would—I love—I would love to see that. Um, and the fact that it's going to be directed by Mark Webb is also pretty exciting for me. Um. But this Rachel Zegler girl is actually, um, so let's go ahead and bring her, uh, I shouldn't not have quit IMDb, um, I should have known that I was going to have to look up another actress's filmography. Um, I believe Rachel Zegler is actually the same girl who's supposed to make her debut in, um, in Steven Spielberg's new film, uh, 
the the West Side Story. So let's go ahead and bring this up here. Dang it. Okay. Yeah, so it looks like the only... She's in... Sh Who's she playing in Shazam 2? Wow, who in the world is she playing in Shazam 2? Oh, they don't have her character up there yet. Must be playing some sort of secret character. But um, apparently she's going to be in Shazam Fury of the Gods. Um, but yeah, she's supposed to make her debut, um, her big on-screen debut in uh, Steven Spielberg's film uh, West Side Story. Which is a movie that looks pretty fun, actually. Um, I can't wait to see that. Just because uh, I love me some Steven Spielberg. I love Steven Spielberg, to be honest with you. I, I love the guy. He's a great filmmaker. Uh, one of the best of all time, in my opinion. Um, but no, the fact that she's going to play Snow White, look, um, again, I haven't seen what this girl's done, so I can't really judge her based on her acting abilities yet, because I just haven't seen, I haven't seen West, I mean, none of us have seen West Side Story. Um, but I think, here's what I think happened. I honestly do believe that they probably, they probably saw... Um, Mark Webb maybe saw an early cut of West Side Story, saw the fact that she could sing, and they saw her bring in an audition, and they, they, they brought her in for an audition, and she, they probably had her do a couple of singing, because obviously, um, I believe, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is supposed to be, um... This is going to uh, apparently have new music. Um, yeah, so this is the one directed by Mark, my, by Mark Webb. Um, oh, maybe not. Okay, so I guess it's actually going to be a live-action adaptation of the same movie. Well, that's a little disappointing. I, I was hoping it would be a sequel. Um, oh, well, it is what it is. I guess, I guess you can... Uh, uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I... Um, again, I can't judge this girl. Just because, again, I've never, I haven't seen her in anything. Um, and she hasn't really proven anything to me yet. Um, mainly because, again, I just don't know her as an actress. Um, so, yeah, there is uh, that. Uh, wait, nope, 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 nope. Not that, not that one. Uh, oh, darn. Okay, here it is. All right. Um, sorry, guys. I was just looking for the next topic we're going to talk about. Uh, because the next movie news topic we are going to talk about, and the final movie news topic we're going to talk about, is a, something that dropped on Thursday um, about, you know, yesterday at the time this is going up. Um, we got our first trailer for Halloween Kills, which is going to be the continuation of 
the uh, Halloween franchise that was soft rebooted back in 2018. This is going to be a sequel to that 2018 film, which was a direct sequel to the original film directed by John Carpenter. So we are going to go ahead and we are going to watch this trailer. Um, I've already seen the trailer, so I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be too surprised by it. But um, we're just gonna break it down. So let's go ahead and uh, take a look. You should have just let it burn. Now you just unleashed a serial killer. And Michael Myers is unleashed. Yeah, I just My love. Mother was right. The boogeyman was real. It's over. We can't hurt anyone ever again. I just can't. Like, okay, I'll I'll talk about this later. But but man, I just love the fact that the this movie just looks more, like almost more what I wanted the 2018 one to be. No one told you. Told me what? Somebody in there. I love this remix version of the theme, of the Halloween theme. The more he kills, the more he transcends. Go now. He's the essence of evil. Yeah, see, I just love the vibe of this one more than the 2018 one. Don't get me wrong, I really loved... I was actually one of those people who loved that 2018 film. But one of the things I didn't like about it, and the one thing I still don't like about it, is just the fact that it felt like they were trying to bring in too much humor to that last one. Um, because, and again, look, I love the MCU... And you guys know how much I love the MCU. But one of the things I feel like the MCU has basically... they It's no secret the MCU had a huge impact on movies. But it also has had a negative impact on film. 
number one, the fact that every single studio wants their version of the MCU, wants their big cinematic universe to the point where we have, like, so many, like, Warner Brothers has their DC film universe, but they also have the Conjuring universe, um, let's see, uh, Legendary, also owned by Warner Brothers, has their MonsterVerse, you know, M. Night Shyamalan had his little, uh, Unbreakable slash Split Cinematic Universe, um, his little trilogy there, um, But the other impact that they've had that almost is another kind of negative impact, actually, is the fact that because their movies have a lot of humor and because their movies... Look, again, this is coming from someone who loves the MCU. But whenever their characters are in a life or, de- a life or death situation, those characters tend to crack jokes. You know? Like, when they're doing the time heist... Ant-Man, I love it, Cap. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. Um, <laughs> but, you know, or like, um, hey, guys, you ever see that really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? Jeez, Tony, how how old is this kid? How young is this guy? <laughs> you know, um, so they, they do tell jokes. And I feel like what the 2018 Halloween film tried to do was add a little bit too much humor. To the point where, like, like there was one moment that actually was funny. And it was when the kid, and I, the reason why I remember it is because I was just watching it. I Again, I was watching a lot of movies for the past number of days. But one of the movies I was watching was the 2018 Halloween film. And one of my favorite moments was when the kid comes down uh, and the teenage girl was babysitting and was, like, talking about something like abracadabra or something and then all of a sudden the kid goes you're talking about weed aren't you yeah i know you're talking about weed (laughs) and then when the girl gets stabbed he's like oh shoot oh shoot i'll go get help (laughs) um that was funny that was comic relief that worked with the tone for what that movie was but then you have jokes like oh i got peanut butter on my penis like when the dad look when the dad is eating you know, in the kitchen, and he's like, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis, like, that, that's just like, really, really, you thought that was funny, or, like, I don't know, what what other really, oh, there was this scene where two cops are sitting in a car talking about a baguette, a peanut butter baguette sandwich, and I'm like, wait, where where did this scene come from? This feels completely out of place, <laughs> you know? So those were the things that kind of bothered me. And I like the fact that this trailer, at least, gives us a hint that we're not going to get a lot of that. We're going to get a movie that's more serious in tone, that's more darker, that deals with, you know, like... Michael Myers being more of that ruthless killer that I loved from the that that we all knew him to be from that first film because when it came to that first film you know one of the things I love about that first film is that they established really quickly how evil Michael Myers was from the opening scene where you see him 
you know, murder his sister, you know, the whole Michael, ah, ah, and then, and then, you know, the, the dad, the mom and dad, his mom and dad come home and they're like, Michael, and they rip off the mask and you just see this look of, you know, you don't know what face that is, you know, um, and I, and the other thing is, is that Michael Myers, in my opinion, this is why I personally, you know, kind of liked the idea of Michael Myers is the fact that he doesn't have a motivation. You know, that's one of the reasons why I don't like Halloween too, is because I don't like the fact that they made them siblings. Because one of the reasons why Michael Myers was so terrifying in that first movie was because he didn't have a motivation. He wasn't out to get anybody. He just wanted to, you know, to quote Heath Ledger's Joker, he just, he's like a dog chasing cars. He wouldn't know what to do with one if he just caught it, you know. He just does things, you know. That's that that's basically what Michael Myers is like. You know, he you know, he doesn't have an agenda against really anybody. He just kills because that's who he is, you know. And it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing to do, you know. But it, that's just who the character is. And that's why he was so terrifying in that original film, and that's why the sequels suck because they forgot all about that and instead it just became oh laurie strode is my sister what like at least that first film despite all of its issues like the stupid twist about the doctor going oh now i want to be the next michael myers um i don't know it just it was stupid but anyway one thing I'm glad about this film is that I'm glad they're taking it more in that direction of of more in the direction that I wanted that first one to be. You know, the first one again, it's the first one isn't some masterpiece of cinema, but it is just a well-constructed horror film in the sense that it it gets the point across and it doesn't waste your time. You know, um and I hope that this one feels more along that lines where it just it gets to the point. It's not focused on telling jokes about a baguette sandwich or, you know, the dad doesn't look around and go, Oh yeah, I got I got peanut butter all over my pants. You know, it just I don't know. It yeah, it let's not have that and let's go more in what the, the first one was like where you actually got to see uh, more of the scariness and the horror of having somebody there, you know, following you around. Like, like that was the creepy part about that first one was, was that you saw Michael Myers following, you know, Laurie Strode around. And that's what terrified you about. That's what ter- that is. That was probably the most terrifying thing about that movie. You know, is that you knew he was a dangerous guy. You knew he was, you know. Uh, a crazy murderer, you know, and you were scared because he was following this girl around. You know, that's that's what I, um, yeah, I, I, I just hope we get back to what made that first one so great. Uh, don't get me wrong, I again, I really like the 2018 one. I really do. It's it's still to me a really great movie, 
And David Gordon Green, I feel like, did a very good job directing that movie. It's just that the script was so bad. Like, the script was... Well, it, okay, to be fair, it wasn't bad. It just needed... It needed to go through one more rewrite. I feel like that movie could have benefited from having one more rewrite. Because it is fairly well constructed. But it just... It has so many stuff, so much stuff that could have been removed, you know, completely. So, anyway, that's just my opinion. All right. Wow, we've already been going for 40 minutes. Uh, we got to hurry up and review these movies. So, let's go ahead and uh, get to the movie review segment. And the first movie we're going to review is the new Disney Pixar film, Luca. Now, Luca, I watched uh, this past weekend. Um, Luca is a movie that I was very excited for. Uh, it was definitely in my top five most anticipated of the year. Uh, it's another effort by Pixar, and it's from a first-time director, and I love supporting movies from first-time directors because it's just very inspiring to see as somebody who was, wants to make movies. And I was massively let down by Luca massively let down. I thought this could have been easily a lot better than it ended up being. Um, for me, look, the animation is beautiful. The movie looks visually amazing. Um, the voice actors are fantastic. Jacob Tremblay um, and uh, I believe it's uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, who is from Shazam. He was really good. Um, I, he voiced uh, the character of Alberto, and he was really good in the movie. Um, but yeah, no, the movie... If I had to compare this to another Pixar film, I, say, I would say I compare this to probably The Good Dinosaur. Where it's not a bad movie, it just feels not up to Pixar quality. You know, it feels more... In the quality of like um, early two thousands Disney, like like the Brother Bear or Atlantis: The Lost Empire, where it just is fine. It's not bad, but it's also not good. You know, it's just in that middle. You know, and that's what I felt like Luca was to me. It just. The story was kind of all over the place. Um, for me, I feel like the movie just dragged out way too long. I feel like the movie could have ended just at a certain point, but the movie just keeps going. You know, it just kept going and going, and I just was like, oh my gosh, this will never end. Um, and also, I feel like the 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 main issue and the main core, the main core issue of the movie is like solved within a matter of seconds it just happens so quick like they dragged out like all the finale stuff of the movie and again i'm not getting into spoilers of course but they dragged out all the finale stuff of the movie and the very ending of the film but like the core main issue of the of the movie that happens halfway through that that starts halfway through, but it ends so quick. Like, the issue happens, and then it's resolved in, like, the next scene, you know? And there's not enough time developed to, the, to that problem, you know? Whereas you look at movies like 
you know, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 2, where the core issue is introduced, you know, the prospector manipulates Woody into thinking that, you know, Andy's all grown up. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can stay with us and last forever, you know, and, you know, that's the core issue. And it's solved not in a matter of seconds after we've seen a couple of scenes of him embracing the fact that he's going to be going to be sitting behind glass for the rest of his life, you know, for the rest of his days as a toy, you know, and that's just what I see. And, and that's how you do that. That's how I think Luca was trying to do it, but they just didn't because again the issue just gets solved in a matter of seconds in a matter of seconds and i feel like the movie just could have used a little bit more time dedicated to that issue um but overall guys i would say the movie's not bad it's just again it's just disappointing because pixar has been putting out some really great films lately you know yes they stumbled a little bit with good dinosaur and then with finding dory and then with cars three three but then Coco, great. Um, Incredibles 2, amazing. Toy Story 4, amazing. Um, Onward, incredible. And Soul, I think, maybe the, one of the greatest films they've ever done. Definitely got, has to be at the top of the list. I mean, to some people, it might be their favorites. Um, I know for me, still my favorite is Finding Nemo. But um, definitely, it's it's in the top of my list for sure. Like, Soul is in the top of my list for sure. And I feel like coming off of Soul, Luca just wasn't the movie you want after Soul. Because Luca just, again, felt like um, just a disappointment. It just felt like a, a huge letdown of a movie that um, I feel like could have been easily a lot better. Um, but I, overall, guys, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give Luca a 6 out of 10. Now we're going to get into In the Heights. Now, In the Heights was a movie I actually saw um, a couple weekends ago. Um, but again, we skipped last week's show, so uh, I'm reviewing it now. Um, now, of course, this is the musical, um, you know, directed by John M. Uh, Cho, who directed uh, Crazy Rich Asians um, and is also uh, produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also... Um, produced the music of the film too. Um, and I'll and I will say this right now, I love this movie. I really do. I love it. It's 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 fun. That's the one thing I said coming out of the movie. It's fun. Um, I have issues with it. You know, my my. I'll I'll talk about the negatives first. Um, the movie's just too long. I, I will admit the movie just drags on just way too long. Um, there were a couple scenes where I found myself kind of checking my watch going, okay, this will never end. Um, but for the most part, I found this movie to be so much fun. The cast was fantastic. Uh, Corey Hawkins from Straight Outta Compton was in this film, and he was amazing. The main a uh, actor in the movie... Um, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Um it's it's Anthony I I I'm blanking on the last name now. 
yeah, I can't remember the last name, but um, uh, but uh, he was really good in the movie, and the musical numbers are fantastic. Just um, the choreography of the dancing and just it it all blended together so nicely and just made for a very entertaining experience. You know, I watched this movie in um in IMAX. Um, and it felt like being in an actual, you know, theater and watching an actual like stage musical happen on screen. You know, that's what it felt like. And it but in the best way, it wasn't like. Now, I can't say this for sure because I've never seen Cats, but it wasn't like Cats where they try to adapt it to make it as loyal as possible to the uh, stage musical. They. This one felt like they weren't restrained to that. Now, I believe this is actually based on a stage musical. I may be wrong on that. I don't know for sure. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Uh, again, I don't really know that fact. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, In the Heights was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I've been listening to the soundtrack just nonstop. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good soundtrack. And... Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give In the Heights an 8 out of 10. Another movie that I saw this weekend was The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Um, this is, of course, the sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard, which I thought was pretty good. It was a pretty good movie, pretty fun movie. Um, and I was really interested in the sequel. The sequel most definitely is not as good as the first one. But... I will say it was so I found it to be very very funny. Like I was I was there I was laughing quite a bit throughout this movie. There was a couple of sequences where I found myself laughing quite a bit. Um again, the from a storytelling perspective, the movie is garbage. Like the story makes no sense. And Antonio Banderas although his speeches are funny. I, and I think it might be because it's Antonio Banderas. Um, and I'm not used to him playing this type of a role just because I've always seen him in movies where he's the hero, like in spy kids or in Zorro, you know, um, I have, I, I, I'm not used to seeing him as a bad guy. Um, I think the last time I had seen him in a movie where he was the bad guy, was in I be, I want to say it was actually in um in oh gosh what what movie was that uh oh it was the sponge it was actually the SpongeBob movie because he was in that movie um which I I couldn't even believe uh he was in that movie um just it was that was funny but anyway his Again, from a storytelling perspective, this movie's garbage. Like, if you really sat back and really thought about the story and really, like, examined the story, it's garbage. It is absolute garbage. But I feel like some of the jokes in the movie and the performance and the banter between Ryan Reynolds, Selma Hayek, and um, Sam Jackson was so fun to watch on screen that it just I just found myself walking out going that was entertaining wasn't great wasn't wasn't a good movie but it was it was pretty fun and entertaining and I found myself enjoying it um 
But just like in the Heights, the movie is also just a little bit too long. The movie's way too long. Uh, it could have, uh, it, it needed to be chopped down by like a lot. I would say it easily was twenty minutes too long. Easily twenty minutes too long. So, um, but I'm gonna overall, guys. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard a six out of ten. And the final movie we're gonna review this week is the new Kevin Hart film fatherhood which is on netflix right now based on a true story um and um so here's the thing with kevin hart i love kevin hart i love his stand-up um and i like him as a movie i I like him as an actor um in fact i have the i've mentioned this several times on the podcast but i have the central intelligence poster um it's in my studio it's i'm actually looking right at it as i talk to you guys um but i like Kevin Hart's films. Um, obviously, Central Intelligence is one of my favorites. Um, I love him in the Jumanji films. Um, I know a lot of people hated this movie, but I actually really liked him in that Will Ferrell movie, Get Hard. That was so funny. Like I, I don't know. I, a lot of people hated that movie, but I thought it was pretty damn funny. Um, and then he was also in Hob- – he made a little cameo in Hobbs and Shaw, which uh, – was also incredible, which was kind of unexpected, actually, because I did not expect them to just be popping up in that movie. But he did. And um, so, so, and obviously he was in that movie, The Upside, which was his first step into being more of a dramatic actor. Um, and he was really good in that movie. So now he's doing this movie, and I gotta say, from a dramatic level, this is more pro- this is probably more dramatic than even the upside was, because the upside, yes, had dramatic moments, but it was at least they balanced that with a lot of humor. Yes, this movie has funny moments, but it is a very very sad movie. Um, it starts off so. The plot of this movie, and I'm not going to, and this upcoming thing that I'm about to say is not a spoiler because it happens literally within the first five minutes of the movie. Um, but Kevin Hart plays a, plays a, a father who, uh, a, a husband who's, whose wife dies after giving birth. And now he, we, the film follows him being a single parent, being a single father and having to really raise this child on his own while also going to work and doing all the stuff that a father has to do. Um, and this movie I thought was fantastic. It was an amazing movie. Um, it has its issues. I'm not saying everything's perfect. Um, but for me overall, I really like this movie. Um, I love the performance Kevin Hart gives in the film. I think he is absolutely incredible. I think, I think that um, his performance in the movie was really good and really, um, um, really different than anything I had actually seen him do. Um, so I like that. Um, I really love the 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 emotional uh, element of the story of this father trying to raise his daughter on his own. I thought it was just so incredibly like powerful and. Um, and again, it, it's because of Kevin Hart's performance that made it so powerful and made it so emotionally um, incredible for me to watch. Um, 
I feel like where the movie... The reason why I wouldn't give this movie like a 9 or a 10 out of 10 is because I feel like the movie does lose a little bit of that emotionality once his daughter... Like, again, no no spoilers, but there is a part of the movie, and you've seen this in the trailers. If you've seen the trailers, you know what I'm talking about. There's a part of the movie where they delve into her being... The, the daughter being a, around the around the age of like first like i believe the first grade age um and i feel like the movie was more powerful when it was him trying to raise this infant on his own you know figuring out how to work while taking care of an infant figuring out how to go to sleep when the when this baby is crying all night you know figuring out you know uh you know, changing a diaper, you know, doing all that stuff. And I feel like once I feel like the movie loses some of its um, emotionality and more mo- uh, uh, and some of that uh, emotional connection that I talked about earlier. I feel like it loses some of that once the daughter once they they jump forward and the daughter is older. You know, again, no spoilers. I'm not going to get into specifics on what happens afterwards. But the movie just isn't as emotionally powerful as I think they had hoped it would be. Um, but again, up until that point, the movie was fascinating. Um, and even though the movie did lose a little bit of the emotional connection once his daughter got older, I still really enjoyed the chemistry between those two. As a father and daughter, I thought the chemistry between this young actress, um, who I'm blanking on her name, um, and Kevin Hart was so good and it felt like an actual, like, Really loving father and daughter uh, relationship. And it was really great. A fantastic performance by Kevin Hart. Um, uh, a really good direction. Um, I think the movie's very well, sh- uh, very well shot. Um, and... Uh, and emotionally very powerful. Um, there were some scenes where I almost cried especially towards the end like there's there's a scene towards the end of the movie where i f- nearly almost broke down crying um and um oh and alfrey woodard um is also in this movie she plays the um, mother-in-law of kevin hart's and he, she is so great in the movie so fantastic like I if if the Oscars were being handed out today, I would give her one for best uh for best supporting actress or even best lead actress. Because she was so fantastic and uh yeah, I really liked her a lot in the movie. So overall guys, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give the fa- uh wow fatherhood i almost said the father uh fatherhood an eight out of ten so now that we've gotten all those reviews out of the way it's time to get into your q a questions um we're not going to do the commercial break today we're we'll we're not going to do the commercial break we're just going to get right into your q a questions because we've been going on for a while and we got to get going here um so let's go ahead and let's talk. Let's uh, run down the Q and A questions here. All right. So uh, number first first question is favorite movies of the year so far. Um, 
I don't have a top five list, but I do have, I'll name two of my favorite movies of the year. Um, and they're the two movies that right now are kind of switching back and forth. So depending on what day you ask me, um, it might be different. But as of this day on, uh, what's the date today? It is, hold on, I'm bringing it up here. Uh, oh, come on, computer, you piece of... Okay, uh, as of June 25th, 2021, my favorite movie of 2021 so far is The Mitchells vs. The Machines. If you guys have not seen The Mitchells vs. The Machines, it's on Netflix. Please watch it now. It is not only the best animated film of the year, but I think it's the best movie of the year. Um... You talk about a movie that had so much emotional uh, emotional moments. This movie made me cry probably like five times when I first watched it. Um, and it's another movie from Sony Animation that I just think is better than even some of the Pixar movies that have come out. Like, at one point, when I first... So, here's how it kind of ran down, okay? We had... Raya and the Last Dragon come out, which was incredible, incredible. In fact, that actually might be my number three favorite film of the year with, you know, it's, I'll, I'll talk about my number two in a second, but it's probably in my top three favorite films of the year. I love Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, almost a perfect film in my opinion. Uh, that movie is just fantastic. Um... But then you had the Mitchells versus the Machines, which just was a completely unique and different animated movie that actually spoke to some of the things we deal with in this day and age. Um, and it it has a really good father-daughter element to it that is really powerful. Um, uh, the main character, um, and this isn't a spoiler, um... At least I don't think because it literally happens within the first five minutes of the movie. Uh, the The main character talks about how she is um, obsessed with filmmaking and cinema. So obviously that obviously hit with me like really deep when I first saw the movie. As soon as that whole thing happened. In fact, you know what? Screw it. I'll spoil it um, because it's been a few. It's been a month now. So if you haven't seen it, tough. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. But when... That whole moment where she's showing her little short film in front of her class and then the kids make fun of her. I felt so bad for her because I'm like, oh, man, that that looks like something that could have happened to me in school. Because <laughs> I, I was not the popular kid um, in school for liking movies. In fact, I, got, I, got, I remember getting um, picked on for liking Spider-Man and Disney movies. Um, but no, um, but no, I just think... Mitchell's vs. the Machines, I think, is still the best animated film of the year, even after seeing Luca. Um, and I just think, you want to know how to do an animated film right? Sony Sony Animation is killing it so far. With Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, and then this movie, they've just been killing it, just knocking it out of the park. I really do think that the... Um, 
um, after the Emoji movie, they stopped focusing on telling, um, on making movies just geared towards kids. And they started making movies that kids will enjoy, but movies that are made for more of an older audience. And I feel like that's what I always wanted Sony Animation to do. Um, and I feel like they they did that a little bit with the Ardman films that they released, like Arthur's, Arthur Christmas. Um, and I believe they even released um, Pirate's Band of Misfits. Um, but yeah, no, the movie, The Mitchells vs. Machines, easily my number one favorite film of the year. My number two favorite film of the year is A Quiet Place Part 2. I have seen this movie now. Let's see. One, two. Let's see. Opening the first day was. Uh, 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 ooh. Now I, gotta, now, now I gotta look it up. Uh, I got my Regal. I got my Regal app right here. Why didn't I just look it up? Um, let's see. So. First time I saw it was. On its opening weekend on Saturday, um, during its opening weekend, uh, then I saw it again on uh, the th- on. Then I saw it again for the second time, and then a third, and then I did see it uh, on its uh, when they did they did do a like a double feature uh, last weekend uh, for the film as well. Um, I saw that probably around the same day I watched the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Um, so yeah, no, uh, A Quiet Place 2 is another one of those movies, uh, it's, it's, again, my second favorite film of the year. Real quick thing about A Quiet Place Part 2, though, is that I want to bring up is just, God, John Krasinski, man, this dude is just becoming a better director with each movie. Like, I hadn't, he had, he had made a couple little smaller independent films before A Quiet Place, but A Quiet Place was really the first movie I saw of his, and my gosh, he's just becoming a better director every time I see a new movie from this guy. Like, just A Quiet Place and then A Quiet Place Part 2. I am so interested to see what movie he does outside of this of this franchise that he's kind of created. Because he's just incredible. Like, one of my favorite scenes from... Combining the first two, if you were to ask me from the first two movies, it's that scene from this, uh, the first one where, um, where the, uh, where John Krasinski's character and his son are, uh, sitting by the waterfall. This is a very powerful moment where, you know, the son goes, Do you blame her for what happened? And he says, No. And he goes, do you love her? And then she, he goes, of course I do. Then you should tell her that. And then that moment gets paid off in such a huge way when he goes, when he does the sign language, I love you. I have always loved you. And then does, you know, a little, a scream that actually kind of reminds me of the, the scream from, um, uh, from Predator. When Arnold gets shot in the leg, he's like, ah, Nah, get to the chopper. Um, honestly, if I was gonna sacrifice myself in this world where you can't make a noise, 
I would have yelled out, get to the chopper as my final line. That's that's my go-to. That will, And you know what? Heck, you can embed that on my gravestone. Get to the chopper. Here lies, here lies Zeke the Geek. Get to the chopper. You can put that on my... <laughs> um, but no, no. My favorite movies of the year... Um, I'll give you my top three now that I know my top three. Uh, Ryan the Last Dragon is number three. Um, A Quiet Place Part 2 is number two. Uh, And The Mitchells vs. the Machines is number one. But again, my number one and two do switch places. So ask me again in about a month. And we'll see if The Mitchells vs. the Machines is uh, is still my favorite movie of the year. All right, let's go ahead and move on. We gotta roll, we gotta rapid fire through these real quick. Um, thoughts on DC releasing four films next year? I have no problem with that. Um, it just means more comic book, more movies, t- uh, more. It just means we're getting back to the swing of having more movies come out every year. Um, after having a whole year of not having any movies, so I I'm okay with DC releasing four films next year. Um, favorite Pixar movie, that's easy for me, Finding Nemo. Um, Finding Nemo is just one of my favorite movies of all time. I've always loved that movie, um, ever since I was a kid. Uh, what's your go-to drink at the movie theaters? Uh, a large Diet Pepsi. I love me some Diet Pepsi. Love having a large Diet Pepsi with, mm, well, I used to have a large popcorn, but now, you know, because I've been... In a process of losing weight, um, I have lowered myself down to a small popcorn. Um, sometimes I'll get a little crazy, and sometimes I'll go with the medium popcorn. But I've, for the most part, I've been doing the small popcorn. But my go-to drink easily Diet Pepsi. Easily Diet. It's Diet Pepsi is easily my go-to. Um, thoughts on the new Transformers film and its title? Yes. So Transformers Seven. We have reached uh, seven films in this franchise already? No. Let's see. One, two, three. Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon was two and three. Age of Extinction was number four. The Last Poop was number five. Bumblebee is technically six. Yeah, so seven films in this franchise now. My gosh, the fact that we have gotten to seven movies in this franchise is incredible. So, um, yes, for those of you who don't know um, or have no idea what I'm talking about, let me go ahead and explain it to you guys. Um, So, uh, it has been confirmed that there is another Transformers film in the works. Um, It will be set in the year 1994, and it is called Transformers Rise of the Beast uh, is the official title. Um, And uh, it will feature the Predacons and the Maximals uh, from Beast Wars uh, while the Decepticons take a backseat to the Terrorcons as the main villains. Um, And then they also confirmed here that Peter Cullen will reprise the role of Optimus Prime. Um, and also it was confirmed that Stephen Capel Jr. Uh, let me see if I can bring this up here. Um, let me see if 
Collider did anything on it for their Instagram. Uh, yeah, no, they just have uh, 94 set Transformers 7 Rise of the Beast introduced Terracon intros, uh, Terracons. Um, yeah, no, I think, um, I can't see any other information, but yeah, um, Stephen Capel Jr., who directed Creed 2, uh, is going to be, um, uh, uh, directing this new film, which I'm very excited for. Um, I like the fact that they're not just sticking with Michael Bay as the director of these films, because I think the franchise needed a little bit of revigoration after, um, having him on board for five movies, um, and you can tell that he was on that franchise for too long because the movies just got worse and worse and worse. Um, but Travis Knight did a fantastic job directing Bumblebee, and I have no doubt... Stephen Cable Jr., I thought, did a fantastic job doing Creed 2. So I have no doubt that this Transformers movie, I think, will be probably even better than uh, Creed 2. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. I'm super excited for it, and I love the title. Love the title, uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Um, honestly, it was a title that I kind of thought that Michael Bay would end up using because he ended up, you know, using titles like Revenge of the Fallen or Dark of the Moon or Age of Extinction. You know, so I kind of figured that you know that they would go for for a really. Um, uh, a title for the uh, really um, kind of uh, bad AWS sounding title for this one. Um, at least that's what I had hoped. Um, okay, let's move on to the next question. Uh, any excitement for M. Night Shyamalan's new film? Yes, I am really intrigued by M. Night Shyamalan's new film. Um, despite me still having a grudge against M. Night Shyamalan for butchering my favorite TV show of all time. I still I still am mad at you for that, M. Night. I mean, you, I, I will admit, you're not the worst filmmaker on the planet. But you made, I think, the worst movie ever made in Avatar, in the last Airbender movie. So... Yeah, you're. I still hate you for that, but 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 I I have liked some of your other films like Unbreakable. Um, but no, this new film that he's doing, um, old looks just looks so creepy, and I cannot wait. I I can't wait to see it. I'm that's a movie I'm probably gonna see on opening night, um, or maybe opening weekend. Probably not opening night. Um, let's see. Uh. Okay, here we go. Uh, thoughts on the new trailer for Snake Eyes? Um, I liked it. Still not one hundred percent on board with Snake Eyes. I'll be honest with you. Not not two hundred. Uh, not uh, not one hundred percent on board with it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still gonna go see it because I love GI Joe. So I'm probably still gonna go see this movie. So yeah. Uh, have you watched The Rocketeer? If so, thoughts on its anniversary. Um, I have seen The Rocketeer. I really like the movie. In fact, uh, the podcast that I listen to, uh, Disorder, every Disney film, uh, Disorder, I should say, um, did a uh, uh, an episode on reviewing the the Rocketeer, which I'm currently listening to right now. 
Um, not at the second, but like, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, I'm listening to that episode, and yeah, I really like The Rocketeer. It's it's a fun movie. It's not one of the greatest movies of all time, but it's a fun movie. I like that movie a lot. Um, all right. Uh, thoughts on the Tower of Terror movie starring Scarlett Johansson? Um, yes, it makes sense. Uh, Disney tries is always looking for things to make in the films. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean was a successful uh, movie based on a theme park ride. Um, Tomorrowland kind of failed. Um, and then they have Jungle Cruise coming out, which Jungle Cruise looks like a lot of fun, too. I can't wait for that one. Um but yeah, no, uh, I'm uh, I am excited. I'm I'm intrigued by this because I hope Disney will go for it and actually make like almost like um. I mean, you don't have to make a rated R horror film. You can make a PG thirteen horror film and still have it be really successful. Um. But I would love if this movie was actually scary. Like, it's called the Tower of Terror, so please make it scary. I would love if this could be Disney's foray into making a scary movie. That would be awesome. Um, so, yeah. Uh, does seeing Kevin Hart in a movie like Fatherhood get you excited to see him in Borderlands? Well, I was always intrigued by him being cast in Borderlands. Um, I don't know too much about the game. So, which is why I don't really have thoughts on the Borderlands movie, because I just don't know much about the game in order to have those opinions. However, what I will say is that the cast that they've put together for this movie is incredible. Let's just let's just take a moment and take a look at this cast real quick. Um, Borderlands. Let's just take a look at the at the cast that they've assembled um, for this movie. Just an incredible cast. I mean, Eli Roth is going to be directing it. Um, so they got you got Kate Blanchett, Jack Black, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Hart. Um, uh, let's see, uh, 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 Florian uh, uh, Montiello. Mon Mon Okay, um, he's the guy who played uh, uh, Ivan Drago's uh, son in Creed Two, but he's he's also gonna be in um, he's also gonna be in uh, Shang Chi, uh, Shang Chi uh, later this year, um, and yeah, uh, they're also introduced. Uh, they also have uh, uh, Gina Ger uh, Gina Gershon, um, and uh, yeah, a few other actor, a few other actresses and actors, um, Ariana. Uh, Green uh, Greenblatt, uh, who was in, uh, who who is who played uh, young Gamora in um, in the movie uh, in Avengers: Infinity War. So yeah, uh, so very intrigued by this. I am really excited to see what you know. Obviously, Kevin Hart is going to be stepping into this kind of action hero role, so it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Um, and I am really intrigued by the fact that they brought in Eli Roth to direct it. Because Eli Roth, I'll admit it, Eli Roth isn't one of my favorite directors ever. I, I honestly think some of his movies are pretty bad. In fact, a lot of his movies are pretty bad. Um, like, this dude has directed some really garbage movies. Um, uh, 
let's see. Um. Uh. Okay. Um. I'll start with Green Inferno since that was the one that was like kind of like the first one I watched. Um. I watched that when I had turned when I had uh, gotten older. But Green Inferno was bad. Um. Knock Knock is pretty terrible. Uh. Death Wish. Uh. That's the one with Bruce Willis, right? Is that the really terrible remake? Oh yeah, that's the terrible remake with Bruce Willis. Yeah, uh, that was bad. Um, and the, and I will admit, the house with a clock in uh, with a clock in its walls. That was pretty fun. That was a pretty fun movie. Um, but yeah, a lot of his films are are really really bad, like excruciatingly bad. Um, you know, he's directed a couple good stuff, um, but I haven't, I've never watched any of his earlier work. I've only seen movies from Green Inferno all the way to basically the house with a clock in its walls. Um, but yeah, you, you, you know, you look at the poster for Green Inferno, it just looks like a movie that, it just looks like a movie that was destined to be bad. Um, but anyway, that's just uh, how I feel. Um, but I'm I'm intrigued by Borderlands, um, so we'll see how it goes. All right, uh, let's move on here. We gotta get we gotta we have two more questions. That we gotta get going. Um, excited for the new Candyman film? I am intrigued by it. I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I'm intrigued. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the original Candyman. I'll be honest with you, not a huge fan of it. Uh, I did an episode of it on Throwback Thursday, so go check it out. Um, and the final question, who do you think made a better transition in directing, Jordan Peele or John Krasinski? Well, Jordan Peele ended up winning an Oscar for Get Out, uh, at least for the screenplay. But I gotta say, in my personal opinion, I just think John Krasinski is a better director. I do. Um, I am just more impressed with him as a director. Um, not that Jordan Peele is bad. Jordan Peele is fantastic. And Get Out is one of my favorite horror films ever. Um, and he's a fantastic film. I even loved Us. A lot of people didn't like Us, but I really loved Us. Um, but I think John Krasinski, to me, understands the type of horror films that I like. You know, like, example. Simple example that I know very well. Um, the, the 1999 Mummy film. Maybe not the best example to use, but I, it's an example that I'm very familiar with. That is much more than just a movie. You know, when Steven Summers made that movie, he didn't make that movie with the intention of being a horror film. He made that movie with the intention of, of giving you a fun action-adventure film with scary sequences, you know? Um with moments that the audience could determine whether or not is scary or not. And A Quiet Place is very much like that. A Quiet Place, that first one at least, is is not even... it's, And even John Krasinski says uh, in a lot of interviews that I've seen from him where he's like, the first movie was a love letter to his kids. I mean, you you may not you may not know that when you see the poster of the movie, but, but um, he... He wrote that movie and made that movie as a love letter to his kids. 
And when you look at what the movie's really about, the movie's about a father and what a father is willing to do to protect their children. That's what the movie's really about. And it's such a powerful movie and a very powerful performance. Um, and, uh, and not that Jordan Peele hasn't made movies that were just... Like, Jordan Peele made a movie that basically kind of talked about the subject of racism and that you know get out was basically a movie where he talked about racism through the lens of a horror film you know so honestly um they're both great filmmakers and they and they both have really excelled in this uh horror genre but in my opinion, if you're asking me who do I think is the better director, I just think John Krasinski is the better filmmaker. I really do. Um, just by the way he shoots his movies, the way he, you know, was able to craft two compelling movies that work so well if you watch them back to back. Like, again, watching them in that double feature, like. It worked so well if you watch them back to back just because they all it all feels like one movie, you know, and I that just has to go to a testament to John Krasinski and the way he wrote and directed those films. So, yeah. All right, guys, that will do it for this uh, episode of the Zeke Setso show. It feels so good to be back. Um, it was a jam packed episode. We talked about a lot of stuff and a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, this, ep- this is going to be a very long episode, but hey, you know what? We missed a week. It deserved to be a long episode. So, um, that will do it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys have any other questions for the Zeke Sensual Show, you guys can definitely, uh, br- send them on in through Instagram or Twitter, or you could send them in through the website. Go to the, go to Zeke, go to zekesedso.wordpress.com. And uh, definitely go and uh, fill out a, uh, a form. You're going to see there, uh, you put in your name, your email, and then your question. And also, when you get there, include the hashtag Zeke Setso Show if you want it right here, answered right here on the Zeke Setso Show. Or if you want it answered on Avatar The After Show, then go, then simply just type in hashtag Avatar The After Show or hashtag Ask the Spider-Verse for the web Trans podcast but that will do it for this um episode you guys uh of the zeke says show again it feels so good to be back make sure you guys go check out tomorrow tomorrow we are going to be uh having a very special uh episode of the web Swingers podcast um that might uh, actually you know what now that i've said that i'm gonna pull back on it um it's actually gonna go up on sunday the episode's actually going to go up on Sunday because I am going to be very busy on Saturday. So I won't have time to record it um, and get it up to you guys in time to upload it on Saturday. I will try to, but again, I'm very busy on Saturday, so I might not have time. Um, but I it will definitely go up. There will be an episode of the Webster's Podcast this week because... I still got to talk about all three. I got to talk about the first three episodes of Loki. I have never talked about Loki yet. And, um, spoiler alert, I'm loving the show. Um, even though, yeah, this week's episode kind of sucked. But I, I love the first two episodes, and I can't wait to talk about them. Um, but anyway, guys, 
that will do it for this video, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys later. Peace out.